Welcome to Shape by Faith with your host, Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. I am so excited about my guest today, Shirley Corder. She was a registered nurse, busy minister's wife and mother following aggressive cancer and we're going to hear about that in 1997 she turned her hobby of writing into a lifestyle and has been writing for publication ever since um and, and shirley's also going to speak about where she is today because um, she is very long distance from us uh, she has written 13 published books both traditionally published through Ravel Publishers and independently. She also has stories or articles published in foreign anthologies, and she's published hundreds of devotional and inspirational articles internationally. She is a director of an internet writer support group for Christian writers of Southern Africa. Shirley and her husband of over 55 years live only three blocks from the sea in beautiful. How, how do you say that, Shirley? I don't want to mess up that Kibata. name. Kabatha. Kabatha. Okay. okay. <laughs> it must be absolutely gorgeous there if you live right by the sea. Um, it's and beautiful. Yes. And you're in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. Okay. So, and we're going to get to your family and we're also going to bring those up as well, but where are you? Um, obviously where you just mentioned, but how long have you been living in South Africa? Um, well, I've been in South Africa since I was 18 going on 19. Uh, so that's a long time. Um, but um, I've been in Southern African since I was four years old. Oh, wow. Okay. So what type of work did your parents do, which created your journey to Africa? Well, well, I'm Scottish by birth. Um, we lived in Scotland and I was born right at the end of uh, the Second World War. So my dad went straight from school into the army where he served as an engineer Um at the end of the war, there weren't enough jobs in Scotland for the men coming out the army, which I think is a problem that you guys will understand as well. And uh, my father took the opportunity to join the developing air force in what was then known as Southern Rhodesia. It's now Zimbabwe. And my mom and I joined him about a year later, and I was four years old at that point. Um, wow. And uh, it was a three-week ocean journey on a Union Castle uh, mail ship from Southampton in England to Cape Town. And then we took a three-day railway journey on a rickety steam train into the heart of Africa. I still have vivid memories of that train. And uh, yeah, then I grew up in Rhodesia, only leaving there when I traveled on my own to Cape Town to study nursing at about 18 years old. Wow. You have had <laughs> the adventure. I tell you what, you really have. And it's amazing what, what God has done in your life and how he's protected you and your family. Um, I, before we get into more of your story, I, I want to um, give our listeners an idea of what load shedding is where you live. If you can explain that to them. Yeah, well, it, load shedding is a kind of an interesting concept um, that very many people don't understand if they don't live in South Africa. But as a result of, of a lack of maintenance and a very high degree of corruption and vandalism, uh, our power utility in South Africa can no longer provide anything like the amount of electricity um, that's needed in the country. 
So to try and counteract this, the country has been divided into a number of different areas. And each area follows a schedule of time slots, uh, which vary from four, two to four hours, during which we are totally without any power or internet access. And that happens to two, three, two to three times every day, or most days. So it's Shirley, are, are, you, are you given a, a warning that this is going to happen? Well, we have a schedule, which we follow. We have to look up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And every day we check to see when we're going to be off. So like today, we're off from uh, 6 to 8 p.m., which is where we are right now. We're at 7. So we're in the, I'm sitting in the dark right now with just a light. Um, and so we do have a schedule, but they don't, and every day is a different uh, time, but they don't stick to it rigidly. They very often have to go up a schedule or down a schedule. So it can happen that you know you're going off at 6 tonight, and then all of a sudden the lights go out. And when you check, you were actually changed to going off at two. <laughs> and, but wow. you hadn't noticed you hadn't checked. So it's 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 very frustrating. Um, the checks, the stages can change at very little notice. So it's very difficult to plan anything, as you and I know, trying to arrange this this time together. It's very difficult to plan anything, and it's very costly for our businesses. It must Having be. said that, that's the negative side. Mm -hmm. But as a result of load cheating, we have so far been able to avoid uh, what would have otherwise happened, which would have been a total collapse of the grid or a national blackout, which would plunge the, plunge the entire country into darkness for possibly weeks. And that would really cause havoc to the land and it would destroy our economy. So we need to learn to live with it and maximize the tasks we can do during those switched off hours. Wow. Many businesses um, operate with fuel-generated generators during their load shedding, um, and other smaller businesses have all gone out of out of existence. Um, and more and more homes are installing solar panels on their roof to maximize electricity from the, the sun, but that's an expensive option, so it's not freely available. So, you know, the normal home doesn't have that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I tell you what, I guess we are spoiled here in the United States. And, you know, um, I get a little upset when our heat goes out or our electricity goes out for a day or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah well, we started getting used to it now. We're getting used to it. <laughs> I, Sounds I, like I, you are. I've kind of made a resolution this year. Last year, I did nothing but gripe every time the lights went off, we complain. <laughs> Um, and I've made a resolution this year that I'm looking ahead and saying, okay, we're off from that time to that time. So this is what I can do and making plans to use the time um, instead of trying to just get through the time. I I'm making plans so that I'm almost looking forward to load shedding so I can do that. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to change my attitude. You know what? That's a that's a great resolution. And I think we should all follow suit. And I'm doing sort of the same thing, but the, with the mindset, whenever I you know, realize I'm thinking in the direction that that's not good, you know, or maybe mm -hmm. negative that I'm, I'm going to change that direction and focus more on the Lord and, and ask him to renew my mindset and stop that stinking thinking. So right, right, yeah. right. well, yeah. I would love, I would love to get into your story. So, um, and I know our time is flying by, but, um, tell us about your first story that you wrote at the age of 14. Well, it wasn't so much a story as, as a play. My my parents were both very involved in acting. In fact, they ran a dramatic society. And when I was 14, I, I was the teacher, believe it or not, of a Sunday school class of seven and eight-year-olds. Um, and I wanted to put on a play for Christmas, but I had no idea where to find a play. So I just wrote one. 
it just seemed logical to me. And uh, I think it was probably a most unusual take on the nativity story, but it did start yeah. me on a love for writing plays and, and eventually stories. So I've, through the years, I wrote and produced many plays in our churches when we were in ministry. Well, I mean, you started with a play and you kept it going and look at you now. And I can't wait to share, you know, some some of your books and stories that you've written. Let's get into also, you are also a registered nurse. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's right. OK, so um, what, what I, inspired that? Well, I actually think it was nothing terribly profound. But when I was four, I was given a nurse's uniform for Christmas. And from then on, I just knew I wanted to be a nurse one day. Wow. Um, I was fascinated by all things medical and all my poor dolls spent their lives in bandages and slings. Um, <laughs> but I don't think there was any, any profound reason for wanting to be a nurse other than the fact that I loved the uniform. That's what well, started me. That is so cute. But I do believe that God had his hands on you as well, yeah. you know, at the yeah. age of four. We have a, we only have like a minute left in this one segment and then, then we'll come back and we have more. But um, when were you and your husband called into full-time ministry? In 1969. Um, Rob, Rob had already completed studies at a Bible institute and we both had been drawn into some sort of Christian work. And then one day he received an invitation to become a full-time minister in the Presbyterian Church. And we had no doubt that it was a call from God. He pastored six congregations across South Africa and Rhodesia before wow. we retired to, to um, where we are now, Quebec. Okay, okay. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back with more Shape by Faith. Everyone stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. Shirley Corder is an author, and she's a minister's wife, a mom. She was a registered nurse, and she lives in South Africa. So how many hours ahead are you, Shirley? Oh, help. Um, it's 7 p.m. here. Does that help you? Yes, you, you are. Li it is 11 a.m. here. Five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we're eight hours ahead okay, of you. Eight hours ahead. And you told me in the first segment you're sitting in the dark, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, that's and right. I, we're I appreciate that. Yes. And I love the way you explain load shedding. Um, you know, when you first explained it to me, I had never even heard of it before. And um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you breaking that down. Now, you were diagnosed with cancer in 1997 and not That's given right. much hope. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're there in 1997. Uh, you're not given much hope. So tell us what happened. Well, I was in my 50s when a surgeon aspirated two innocent cysts from my breast. And although they were benign, he insisted on a routine mammogram. Um, and that actually showed up a previously hidden stage two malignant tumor of the breast, which had already started to metastasize or spread to my glands. Um, and after he removed it, he said, I suppose you're going to ask how long I think you have. And my immediate cheeky reply was, absolutely not. That's not your department. Um, <laughs> I reckon he'd, he'd cut it out. It wasn't up to him to decide how long I had to live. Uh, and a year later, I was very glad I'd answered that way because he shook me by the hand and congratulated me for making it that long. Wow. He hadn't expected me to last for one year. 
And that was over 25 years ago. And I'm fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, I love that. Yeah. I, sometimes, Shirley, I say I do not receive that. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> no, that, that was basically what I said. I said it's not your department. Uh, <laughs> so tell us how you got through the cancer treatments. Um, and at the same time, you drew close to God. Well, I have to admit that I'm very glad my faith was strong before cancer hit. Uh, I know lots of people see through, get through cancer with, without God, but I don't know how they do. Um, my faith was already strong. And when people asked me, surely, why you? Um, my stock answer was, why not me? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I at least knew where I was going if the cancer took my life. Um, but I also had a husband who never wavered in his faith that I was going to survive. I admit that there were many times during the treatment I didn't know that he had it right, but the Lord spoke to me several times through his word, and yeah, here I am, 25 years later. Praise God for great, amazing husbands, right? And it sounds like you have one. I do too, and and he is always positive and uplifting in the ways of the Lord when I may be doubting, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, God placed the both of you together. He knew your story. Um, Why did you have to give up nursing? Well, initially, my immunity from all the treatment, my immunity was badly affected. And I couldn't go near sick people. So I wasn't going to be much good as a nurse. Um, And then we moved to a new congregation uh, where the nearest hospital was half an hour away on the other side of a dangerous mountain pass, which I would have had to negotiate often during the dark. So that wasn't logical. But at the same time, during my treatment, God spoke to me through two passages of scripture. Um, From Psalm 118, um, I received, I will live and not die and proclaim what the Lord has done. And then from Habakkuk to write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. So it made sense to me that this is what God was saying, but I, I kind of put it off. And then about a year after my treatment, he repeated the same two verses in the same period of, of, of devotional time that I was having with him as a sort of a reminder to say, hey, I did tell you this before. I'm telling you again. And so then I started to write devotional messages, telling stories about my experiences of cancer and how the Lord had worked through them. Shirley, you just you absolutely just gave me goosebumps when you mentioned those two scriptures and, and I'll just briefly explain and we'll go on Um, in the book of Psalms. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. That was the exact verse the Lord gave me when I went through my second open heart surgery and, and the one and the one in Habakkuk. Exactly. Those were the two verses that I held on to. So I think that, that, that is amazing. (laughs) okay so you started you started writing devotionals and you said they were about um what the time with your cancer is that what your devotionals were about that that was the first ones yeah the first ones were about the cancer because that's what god had said uh share the things that i have done so that's what i started to do um but that sort of led me into writing full-time um and so yeah i did um I didn't ever anticipate being a published author. Uh, that was not in my dreams. And yet I had done a comprehensive writing course through correspondence through uh, before cancer. And the funny thing is I did the course because I wanted to augment my income, but I had no desire to get published. So I don't know quite where my logic was on that. But it was obviously part of God's preparation <laughs> because I was really, I knew what I was doing when I started to write. 
Well, God uses everything. That's for sure. Yeah, it's just a reminder that he knew what plans he had for me, even when I didn't. Absolutely. Now, wh- where were your devotionals published? Like, where can we find some of those? Uh, I, I wrote mainly for things like The Upper Room, Secret Place, uh, Daily Bread, both in America and in, in um, the UK. Um, and yeah, I should have actually made a list of those, but a whole yeah. lot of those sort of um those sort of devotional books. And then I got into writing for um, some of the um, uh, anthologies, um, Chicken Soup, Guidebooks, those sort of things, um, which weren't specifically devotionals, but they were stories. Um, that's where I started. Um, but then all the time I was stocking up these um, these uh, devotions based on the cancer because I sensed that I was going to write a book on that one day. Well, so many people can relate to that, Shirley, and yeah. you're you're very relatable. I mean, this is the first time I've met you online as far as talking. We've been we've been corresponding back and forth, trying to get this together yeah. for some time. <laughs> and I praise God yeah. that he brought it together. But, you know, God, it sounds like God has placed everything before you and you're doing yeah. what he's called you to do. Now, you were in were you in your 50s when you began writing? I was in my mid fifties when I started writing. Okay. Um, Okay. So for the listeners that are out there that are in their mid fifties are above their mid fifties, it's never too late to do what God is calling you to do. No, no. No, it isn't. And I was actually into my sixties when the Lord started to bless me with scholarships. I had, I've had two scholarships that took me to America. Um, and, um, that I was in my sixties and I traveled on my own. Uh, 330 hour journeys um, to America and wow. um, I, yeah, I was in my 60s the one I was very close to 70 so the Lord was still yeah he's not he's not he doesn't judge you by your age age no. is just a number that's right you're never too young you're never too old to be used by that's the Lord right. um, tell us why you wrote like okay your first book is called strength renewed meditations for your journey through breast cancer that's your first book is that correct that's, right. that's correct yes okay so that's a 90-day yeah. devotional book for those facing cancer right that's right that's right okay it well, works through, through the through the journey of cancer yeah Okay. Was it hard to find a publisher, Shirley, or how did you know about that? How did you even know where you, to send your writings? It was crazy because I was I was a member of a Christian writers group. I joined a Christian writers group online uh, when I started writing seriously, and um, it was a big group. And I got on well with the folk, but I did also learn that American English and and British English, which I speak, is were very different. And so there were a few times when they had a good laugh at my expense. But then the one day they all started talking about the importance of attending a Christian writers conference. And you really couldn't write and get published if you didn't go to a conference. And I eventually got fed up with the conversation. And I said, you know, this is all very well. But if you live in South Africa, th- this isn't an option. And they all jumped on my back and said, why isn't it an option? We have a scholarship. And I thought, you've got to be joking. Uh, the scholarship is for the conference. I still have to get to America. And I can't afford to, afford to fly across South Africa to see my kids. I certainly can't afford to fly to America. Um, but anyway, they bullied me into it. And I applied for the scholarship and not thinking I would get it. There were so many good, good writers there. And I was the first, second um, tie for a first place. There were two of us. And 
the two of us tied first place. And the other guy wanted to go to a conference in two months' time. I wanted to go to one in about eight months' time. So they gave the money to him, and they challenged the group to raise the money for me uh, to attend eight months later. Uh, so I panicked and I went to my husband. I said, what am I going to do? I can't afford to go to America. <laughs> and he said, you know, if the Lord lets you win the, con- the scholarship, he will supply the, the, the ticket. Well, then a few days later, um, Lisa Vienna, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She ran the group and she wrote to me and she said, okay, Shirley, I want a, a confirmation from you. If we raise this money, will you guarantee that you will come to this conference? So again, I went into meltdown. And I went back to my poor husband and said, help. And he said, sure, if they, the Lord supplies the, conf- the scholarship, he will supply the airfare. He knows you've got to get there. So with my heart in my mouth, I wrote to her and I said, yeah, sure, I'll come. And the very <laughs> next day she wrote and she said, well, guess what? We've got the money. Oh, my goodness. I, oh really, my goodness. I really went into panic mode. <laughs> but <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> And I said, Lord, you got me into this. You've got to do it. Make wow. a plan. Wow. Uh, for the next few months, money just came in from all sorts of areas. And, yeah, um, I, I, I was sort of mid-60s and I flew um, – on my own from uh, Cape Town in South Africa, right across to um, to uh, Washington, that one was, to Washington, and then up to Sandy, traveled up to Sandy Cove. And then the second conference came about seven years later. Um, one of a well-known author in, in America wrote to me and said to me, I think it's time you came to another conference, and this time I want to meet you. So this time I will pay everything, and I will get you there, and we'll meet up. And wow. I went to set the uh, Florida Christian Writers Conference um, that way. And when I was there, I had a, I prepared a, a um, proposal for Strength Renewed. I, t- I called it something different at that stage. But I prepared the proposal, and I took that with me. And I knew there was one person, one publisher that I would have loved to be published with, and that was Ravel. But I also knew that wasn't possible because I had critiqued a book by a friend who had written on the same subject. And so, and they had accepted the book. So I knew that there was no point in applying to them. And through a whole series of, well, God incidences, my published, my proposal landed up on her desk. Wow. <laughs> and although she was the one I wasn't going to send it to. And uh, yeah, and she accepted it. And the book was published in 2012. And it's still available today, 10 years later, in Amazon and our local online bookstores. Incredible. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Shape by Faith. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Shirley, you had me sitting at the edge of my seat. Um, I'm so glad you shared that story of, of how you um, got published and you got to go to the United States on those scholarships. And we both know, wow, God, that was God. Um, 20 years ago, you wrote your first novel, but you did not finish it. So you said last year through the challenge of two special friends, you decided it was now time to finish it. So can you give us a glimpse into your book, Returning to Amanda? Yeah, sure. Well, one of the things you learn when you're writing is that you have to write what you know um, and not sort of just make everything up in your head. And um, the one thing that I really know is about being a minister's wife. And so I decided to write a novel about a ministry family in crisis. And I have to say at this point that the family in my story is nothing like mine, for which I thank the Lord. Um, (laughs) But I started writing um, the story about a 
um, gifted artist, Amanda, who gives up her budding career to become a wife, mother, and minister's wife. But sadly, it backfires because she moves away from her own giftings, and she tries to become the wife her husband and congregation want her to be, and her marriage and family starts to fall apart. Now, each time I got to that stage in the story, the ending fizzled because I couldn't figure out what went wrong or how to fix it. And then in 2020, these two friends of mine nagging me um, reminded me the words of Albert Einstein that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So, okay, I had to have a different result, but how? And suddenly, and only another writer, and I sense that includes you, will understand this. My main character, Amanda, the minister's wife, had a meltdown and she ran away from home. Now, that was not in my story plan or my experience. And I kept sort of saying, you get back here. But the story came alive and I just loved it. So, um, yeah, that's how the story worked out. Amanda runs away and uh, the minister's wife runs away. (laughs) And you have to to read the end. The sad thing about it is that the first friend who encouraged me to write it um, never got to read it because she died from COVID. Uh-huh. And the second friend read through it before publication, and then she died of cancer. So, oh, yeah, a bit of a sad ending. That is, that is. But I am glad that you finished the book. And where where can we find your book, Returning to Amanda? You can get it on Amanda on, on the Amazon at the moment, okay. uh, in both public in, in print and in ebook. Um, I am bringing it out locally, um, but it's still at the moment on Amazon. Okay. With just two minutes left, Shirley, um, what is next for you? You say, I mean, you are so full of life and joy. I mean, you really are. <laughs> what is next? Do you know? Well, I've already, I've already finished the prequel for, for returning to Amanda. Um, that is going to the editor this next, or going to a critique group this week, and then it'll be going to an editor. And I've got um, the sequel to the story um, drafted. So I, I visualize this being part of a four-part series. This okay. Book. Okay. How long does it take you to write something like that, Shirley? How long would it take you, you know, not, you know, how long does it take you to write a novel? I write it basically during NaNoWriMo in November. And I, but this one I got carried away with, and I wrote 120,000 words in November. <laughs> so I had to cut the, cut the book in half. So effectively, I brought the second book out in April. I wrote it in April at Camp Nano. Uh, it, I find I, I, I work well under pressure. So I've got that sort of pressure. And then I would spend the rest of the year sort of sorting it out and editing it. And that. Oh, my goodness gracious. So you I, are such an inspiration. You really are. Um, oh, thank you. Absolutely. So how would you encourage someone out there that's listening and maybe they're like Amanda, you know, um, how would you encourage them? I would say that if the God has a plan for your life and God has a plan for all of our lives as he's shown through mine and it may be a strange sort of plan. It may not fit your ideas, but he's got a plan. And if he wants you to do it, you can do it. Um, he will bring it about. Absolutely. Um, I think that's the way I can put it, really. That is beautiful, beautiful. I want to thank you so much, Shirley. And I want you to come back on. Our time is short. And so you need to come back on Shape by Faith. But thank you so much for being a lovely guest. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. Yes. And thank you for listening, everyone. I'm Teresa Rowe. Have a blessed day.
Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more.